in this edition of Hoopsology. Matt and Justin are welcome to creator of the number one fan channel on YouTube, Next Fan TV, CP to Franchise. After we get CP's thoughts on All-Star Weekend, Justin and Matt get CP's insight on the recent hot streak of the New York Knicks, the impact of the Josh Hart trade, the leadership of Jalen Brunson, and CP discusses what led to growing his YouTube channel to gain tons of followers, and now him appearing on regional sports networks and on ESPN. This is a great chat. The Knicks are really uh, popping right now. They're really doing well. And we get CP's insight to see if they can really make a run into the playoffs and beyond. So for Knicks fans, you don't want to miss this chat. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content. We're a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, CP the franchise. He is the creator of Knicks Fans TV. We have the pleasure in welcoming CP the franchise onto Hoopsology. How's it going, CP? Good, fellas. How are you doing tonight? Doing really good. Thanks for joining us. A big fan of your work. So thanks for taking the time to just chop it up with us for a few minutes. Um, let's not waste any time and. I was looking on your Twitter timeline and you retweeted a tweet that was very interesting and I co-signed a hundred percent. I'll read it out. It says the elite takes the personality of his best players. Kobe MJ when never allowed this, these types of all-star games, these new players just don't have it in them. So let me ask you since they, since I think we agree on that point, is there any hope for this, the NBA all-star game at all, just in terms of fixing it? Cause I don't see the next generation of players just all of a sudden reverting back to the mentality of MJ and Jordan. So how's this game going to be fixed? Yeah, man. Uh, and rest in peace to Kobe, man, because yeah. it's just like guys like Kobe, MJ, or just guys from, th- from, you know, Iverson, you go back to that 2001 all-star game in DC when it was Iverson, Stefan Marbury, Vince Carter, Kobe, Jason Kidd, you know, Kevin Garnett. I mean, these guys were playing hard, man. And it just doesn't seem like in, in today's day and age, when you have load management is so emphasized and guys are trying to rest they're they're even more accountable to their team. With the amount of money in the contracts that that uh, that are being doled out now, the endorsement deals, it just seems like these guys are going into All Star Weekend just trying to make it back to their team, and then you know playing hard for ultimately the the playoffs and the championship. So you know I, I appreciate Jalen Brown for coming out and saying that this was nothing more than a glorified layup line because at least he you know he seems like a player that that wants to play at a high level and, and wants to play the game competitively. I mean, you look at these rosters. I looked at that game yesterday in the first quarter. I'm looking at these rosters up and down. I'm like, man, this could be a great game if these guys actually played hard. And it didn't seem like they were playing, you know, even a modicum of competitive basketball until there was only one point left to, to decide the game. So it's unfortunate. You know, I, I still watch just from the, the nostalgia standpoint and the tradition standpoint, but I think those days are over, man. Does this damage the league at all from a viewership standpoint? And just for the younger fans out there, because I think all three of us have memories of just the league and just the players taking this game very, very seriously. But if you're a new fan now, you can't really associate yourself other than watching some clips on YouTube. So, I mean, how damaging is this for the league in terms of, you know, the actual all-star game not being competitive at all? Yeah, I'm not so sure how how much it damages the league because I I think today's fan is more – fans of individual players rather than yeah. teams. And so, Agreed. you know, regardless of how the all-star game is played, I think today's fan, they're, they're, they're chasing their, they're following their favorite player, right? They're following their play, favorite player on Instagram, on TikTok, 
They want to see what they're doing when they're not playing basketball, all the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm not so sure it's going to damage the league, but I would love to see the league try to incentivize it a little bit more and, and maybe see if that could spur, uh, you know, these guys to play a little bit harder, but I'm, I'm just not so sure. And then on top of that, the league wants to play an in-season tournament. I mean, if you got guys on load management, you got guys not really playing in the all-star game, you know, what, what is the in-season tournament going to do? I don't think that's a good idea, but let's see what happens. Totally with you there. Do you think there's just the, the generation now that's playing is so used to media criticism, social media criticism that a Monday morning after an all-star game, like what we saw yesterday is just no big deal. Just kind of more noise to them. What do you think their perception of that is? And is there any sort of hit to their, you know, pride as a player or ego? Well, they're making multi-million dollars, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure how much it's going to impact them. But nevertheless, these players, they're definitely deep into the weeds of social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. These guys check. They check their mentions. They check the comments. And so I'm sure they are cognizant of, of what the fans are saying about them. But I, I just wish they would play with a little bit more pride in these games, man. It, it would elevate the game a lot more. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie mentioned a couple of days ago that maybe they should have a one-on-one tournament. You know, we always have these these conversations and debates. Who's the best? Is it LeBron? Is it KD? Is it Giannis? Only way to find out is if they play one-on-one. That would make the popularity of the league and the ratings skyrocket, man. I mean, just look at the couple minutes that you saw Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going at it in a fun way, but it, it that was probably the best part of the game in, in the All-Star game last night. So who knows? Maybe that can come down in, in the future, but uh, I'm just not so sure. So let's transition to the Knicks. They're always a fascinating team. Um, I'm a Bulls fan, so I'm just watching the Knicks okay. just by habit. So yeah. just kind of like I'm just watching them, even though they're kind of old school rivalry, but I'm always fascinated by that team for several different reasons. So right now, I believe they're six in the Eastern Conference. Where do you see just how they fit in the playoff race moving forward? Just because the Brooklyn Nets have gone through a lot of changes. And right now, you certainly have your power teams in Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. But yeah, I think there's basically room for some movement to, at the top. So are you optimistic that the Knicks can really make a run at the top of the Eastern Conference? Like, Where do you see their expectations so far? I think the top three, regardless of, of where they finish, Will be the will be those three. It'll be Boston, it'll be Milwaukee, and it'll be Philly. But I think from between four to six is is anybody's game right now. And and the Knicks are in sixth place. They're two games in back of the Nets for fifth at, at the time of this recording. And the Nets won't be a pushover. I like the pieces that the Nets got in the Kevin Durant trade, but I think the Knicks can catch them. They have one more game against the Nets coming up next week. I think the Knicks can get there. And if they do. That is the optimal spot for them to not only, you know, have a competitive first round, but maybe get an upset. Maybe if they see a Cleveland in uh, a four or five matchup, that is probably their best chance of, of winning in the first round. So uh, they have 20 games left. You know, they it's, it's probably the worst time to go into the all-star break because they, they won five of the, out of their last six. The Josh Hart acquisition has been tremendous. It's going to give the Knicks bench a huge lift. Jalen Brunson has transformed this team. Julius Randle playing at an all-star level. So I think the Knicks can certainly climb up a little bit. And if they do, I think they can make some noise. 
Can you talk more about Jalen Brunson and just the impact that he's had on this team, the way the offense runs, uh, and especially, I mean, the last month, he's he's been incredible. Can you just tell the difference in the team since he arrived this year? Yeah, speaking of a guy that should have been in Utah, and <laughs> had he gotten in that game, wouldn't have been wasting time like Giannis and all these other guys. You know, Giannis goes in and dunks the ball, then sits out for the rest of the night. I mean, just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. But anyway, the last 20 games, Jalen Brunson averaging 30 points per game on 46% shooting from downtown. He's been absolutely electric. It just seems like when he got the all-star snub, he played even better. And as I said, he's transformed this team. This team hasn't had a point guard in over 10 years. And since Julius Randle has been here over the last four years, the Knicks have really needed another guy that could take a lot of pressure off of him a guy that can close in pressure situ- in pressure moments and 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 uh and clutch situations and that's who Jalen Brunson has been uh, and he he's been hot his, his momentum has been riding high since that playoffs last year with Dallas when they upset the Phoenix Suns they upset the Utah Jazz and he did a lot of that without Luka Doncic and that's when you started to see okay Jalen Brunson as the guy is a serious serious problem for the league i mean he's a threat at all three levels He's leading the league in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage as well. So he can play off-ball, but on-ball, he's even better because the way that he can attack the basket, the way that he can get into the paint, and from there, use his footwork, use his his size, his physicality. He's, he's not big, but he's strong. So the way that he can get into the lane and, and move guys off of their spots to get to his spots, and, hey, if you got a guy coming on him, he's got counters for you. You know, he's got a counter on the counter on the counter. So – it's just incredible watching him work. And he's a guy that Julius Randle has been able to play off of, but also the team can rely on him in crunch time. He's he's in the top five in the league in, in clutch points. And it just seems like when the game gets tighter, it's when he get when he plays better. So he's given this team a tremendous lift. Go ahead, Justin. You take it, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on Julius Randle, uh, a player who, of course, don't need to tell you, has been polarizing for the Knicks. Do you think one of the, you know, other than, of course, competitive success, as much as you can get it in the playoffs and beyond, do you think one of the goals of this season moving into the offseason is to kind of build Julius Randle up? look for potential moves in the offseason or is the fit with uh, Jalen Brunson working out well enough that you see him in the long-term future? Where does his status kind of stand right now? Well, it seems like they have a little dynamic duo forming right now. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I think for this, this regime under Leon Rose, they want to continue to win. You know, James Dolan has gone out and interviewed with the media lately. and, And he says, look, he wants to make the playoffs. They believe they can make the playoffs. And so because I believe they're on an upward track, they're going to keep this team intact as much as they can and add to it rather than peeling it back. Now, how far will they go? I think that'll be determined when they can ultimately land a superstar on this team. Now, Jalen Brunson's a star and Julius is a star, but I still feel like they need one more piece to crack that top three in the East. But right now, look, they're they're playing well, man. Six games over 500. They won 37 games last year. They're almost there right now at the, you know, technically the halfway mark, but not really. Uh, They they have 20 games left, so they should be able to surpass that number. And Julius Randle is a big reason for it, man. He's, He's leading the league in first quarter points, always jumps out the gates hot. 
And as I said, Jalen Brunson has really taken a lot of pressure off of Julius Randle. Last year was hard on Julius because I believe there was a lot of pressure on him to repeat the success that they had in the uh, in the season where they had the fourth seed in the East. They made it to the playoffs first time in eight years. He was an integral part of that. He was an all-star, most improved player, got a contract extension. So there was a lot of pressure on him specifically last year to repeat that. And in the Knicks' attempt to get him some help, they went out and got Kemba Walker. They went out and got Evan Fournier. But those guys just didn't provide enough from a shot creation standpoint, from a playmaking standpoint, to overall lift up the team. But that's why Jalen Brunson is the biggest X-factor uh, uh, this year, and and it's helped Julius Randle tremendously. How is Jalen dealing with just the New York media in general? We we always see just from a fan's perspective of when a player goes to New York is different compared to other media markets. So how is he just coping just with that constant pressure of just the New York scene overall, you think? I think he's handled it great. You know, especially earlier in the season when the team was trying to find its way, they were losing a couple games, they were getting embarrassed in certain games, and he was one of the few guys that would hold himself accountable, even in wins. And the media would go to him. He would say, yeah, this play was great, but I got to do better here. Or, yeah, you know, we, we did okay here, but I've, I've got to do a better job of, you know, get my guys in spots. I got to do a better job of playing defense. We got to do a better job of closing out games. And so he's handled it very well. His father was here for a number of years with the late 90s Knicks. And so Jalen has, has grown up watching his father along his father's NBA journey as well. Uh, he, you know, coming from Villanova, a, a pro-ready school with a great head coach in Jay Wright. He's been ready for this moment. And so it, it's not a surprise in, in the way that he's handled the media. And it's it's necessary because a lot of guys can't. And as I just said, uh, with Julius Randle's meltdown last year, you know, everybody can't handle it. Now, luckily, Julius is coming back around, but Jalen's been, he's been great. When you look at uh, the success of this Knicks team as currently constructed, you know, they have their first run that you alluded to earlier when they were the four seed felt like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, felt like, you know, a, a very, very like try hard team got a lot of extra wins in the regular season from that extra level of effort felt like that postseason. There are a lot of matchup problems that teams could plan for in the playoffs. Of course, with Jalen Brunson on the team, this, this is a very different team. Do you see them having a lot more advantages or a lot more tools in the toolkit this time around uh, with him and any other factors that you're seeing? Do they look a lot different, you know, heading into the postseason? Yeah, because on, on top of Julius Randle, who, who is a, uh, a solid, you know, shot creator in, in isolation. Now you have Jalen Brunson, who's an elite shot creator in his own right. And so you have that dual threat and that's going to cause teams problems. You're going to have to pick your poison. You're not just going to be able to key in on Julius Randle and force the rest of the supporting cast to beat you. That's what the Hawks did in their playoff matchup. And the Knicks just, their supporting cast just couldn't deliver. RJ Barrett didn't shoot the ball well in that series. Reggie Bullock, who was a good, he was a 40% three-point shooter in the regular season. He didn't shoot well in that series. They didn't have much help off of the bench. Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin were rookies. And so they were a little bit wet behind the ears. But now, as I said, you have two all-stars, or I call Brunson an all-star, but you have two all-star caliber players in your starting lineup. And then with the bench, you have Emmanuel quickly who's playing like a six man of the year candidate. You know, his third year in the league, he is the quarterback of this defense and he's been shooting the ball a lot better. 
as of late. His floaters back, his floaters kind of been his claim to fame. I believe he's shooting about 53% off of his floater. Defensively, he's getting the guys organized. He, he's really like the quarterback of that defense. And so the maturity of Emmanuel quickly from his second year to his third year is really going to lift up that bench. And then Josh Hart, man. Josh Hart has been incredible for this team. And so I think defensively, they're going to give teams a lot of a lot of problems. We'll see about Obi Toppin, especially when it comes to, to playoff time. But I think this Knicks team is going to be vastly different than the team that you saw two years ago because they're going to be well-balanced in the starting lineup. And then defensively, they're going to be able to get after it a little bit better, especially off the bench. So do you see, you mentioned earlier just about the Knicks, their one piece away of landing that superstar with this core. Does that make it more lucrative for a free agent to choose New York? As we've seen other times, other superstars pass. Do you see, you know, this core being the tipping point and landing that superstar eventually and, you know, making their way to the top of the conference, you think? Sure. Yeah, no question about it. But it will it be a free agent will be the question. I'm not so sure, because if you look at the trends in the league nowadays, guys are getting traded. Yeah, no. they're signing that, that those super max contracts, those max contracts. And then when they're tired of you, then they're asking out. You look at, you know, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Luka Doncic has signed his deal. Joel Embiid has signed his deal. Devin Booker has signed his max deal. So all these guys, they're reading up and they, as they should. It's good business to do that. You get the extra year of security and 30, 40, 50 million dollars more. And then, you know, when, when things go sour, then you get traded. So they will be a viable candidate just by the fact that, yes, they are. A competitive team but it's it's not easy that's the hard part it's trying to get that guy and look whatever for whatever reason the mitchell trade didn't work out for them last off season so now we'll have to wait you know they still set up pretty nicely with their draft capital they have 11 first round picks over the next seven years they have a lot of young players the team is still a very young team if the cap is still flexible they'll have some contracts coming off the books next year so they're still set up well the question is who will be the next piece? And that's always the hardest part. CP, when we look at, again, the currently constructed Knicks, there, there's been a lot more patience than in other constructions of this team and in, in other um, front office management. What has been the difference? Has it just purely been like learning from these past mistakes over the, you know, since really like the late nineties or so um, has it just been learning from those mistakes or what has been so different lately? Well, I mean, you have to start with the coach because on the con coach, Tom Thibodeau, the one thing, the bare minimum that you're going to get is a team that plays hard. You have to play hard for them or you're not going to play. And that's what you saw in his first year with that team two years ago, as, as you alluded to earlier, Matt, was that, the one thing that was apparent with this team was that they played hard every night. They might not have had the best talent, but they fought hard. They played defense. I believe that team finished uh, in the top 10 in defense. I think, I think like fourth in defense. They played hard every night. They limited their mistakes, and that's why they were able to achieve some success. So he's already he's come in and, and kind of laid that foundation, established a culture, tried to establish an identity. And so in this first year, he, he made the playoffs. Now, last year, they took a little bit of a step back. This year, they're looking at the playoffs again with an infusion of talent in a Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle playing better. You have rookies like Quentin Grimes playing. Emmanuel quickly is playing well. So, uh, you know, look, Dolan brought in Leon Rose. He brought him in, obviously, to, to uh, bring in a star. But so far, I think Leon Rose has... You know, if I had to give him a, a grade or, you know, grade between one to 10, I would say like a six so far. 
you know, he's he's had some value in the draft. The Brunson deal is going to be his best acquisition so far. Some of the trades, uh, the Josh Hart trade is is uh, is is a good one so far. Some of the free agent signings haven't been so good in terms of Fournier and Kemba Walker. So it's it's been a mixed bag. But so far, James Dolan said he, he has faith in this regime. And if they make the playoffs again, it, Tom Thibodeau's here to stay. It's going to continue this way. What is the vibe in New York? It has been just, oh, especially recently, a lot of changes with Brooklyn in terms of yeah. the roster changes. Where do you see kind of the Knicks fan base in particular? Are are they excited about this team in terms of their prospects, or are they more tempered with their expectations? I was, I was always yeah. I'm always fascinated about the Knicks fan base because I think they're probably one of the most fa- passionate fan bases in all sports. So yeah, well, kind look, of what, what are you hearing on a nightly basis? I, I talk to them on a nightly basis. Yeah. The fan base is juice, man. They feel like <laughs> the playoffs are coming, and if that happens, they're going to be ready to go, man. This is one thing this town loves is, is playoff basketball. And they're going to be rallying behind this team. As I said, this team is six games over 500 in the sixth seed. And so uh, barring a, a huge setback, they'll at least they'll be playing for something. Whether it's playoffs or play-in, they'll be playing for something. And the fan base is, is definitely behind that. And, hey, <laughs> tough luck to those Brooklyn Nets fans because uh, it, it's still a Knicks town. And, and uh, you know, Nets have their own problems. But, no, the Knicks fans, are they're very optimistic about where this team is right now. And that's exactly where I wanted to go following that question is what what is the reaction that you've seen from what's gone on with the Nets? I mean, is there any kind of sympathy, like a feeling that, oh, you guys, (laughs) (laughs) not at all. No, 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 no no sympathy whatsoever, man. No sympathy whatsoever. As I said in previous interviews, I was waiting for the shoe to drop and an absolute implosion that happened in Brooklyn. It, It was incredible. I, I just I can't understand how these two guys or three guys who had carte blanche to assemble a team that they wanted, coach everything. They, they Joe side so much they gave them everything, and in three years, one by one by one, they all ran for the hills. And you know, look, Kyrie's a, he's a headache in his own right, but still one of the best players in this league to this day. To me, one of the better point guards of all time, just in terms of his skill set, but. He's a guy that marches to the beat of his own drum. And the Brooklyn Nets finally said, you know what? We're, we're done here. And then with, with Kevin Durant, once they traded Kyrie Irving, I already knew Phoenix was going to jump in and, uh, and and try to go get Kevin Durant because, you know, Phoenix is desperate in their own right with Chris Paul kind of tapering off a little bit in his career, Suns kind of setting, and their championship window closing. Phoenix had to jump on that fast. And so, you know, Kevin Durant, looking at this team, he said, hey, I'm not going to stick around for this. And he bailed went to Phoenix. And so they left Sean Marks holding the bag, but I do like the pieces that they got back. I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big Macau Bridges fan. Cam Johnson is a good pickup. They were able to replenish some of the, the draft capital that they lost in the Harden trade to Houston. And so they're not necessarily in a terrible spot, but uh, it's certainly not championship contenders anymore. So I'm not feeling so bad. So fascinating as well, that Kyrie of all teams goes to the Mavericks you have to wonder, you know, as a Knicks fans or as a Knicks fan or otherwise, I mean, are the Mavericks looking back now wishing they would have just re-signed Jalen Brunson after all is yeah. said and done? Um, absolutely. I'm sure they did. You know, I'm sure they did. And so as they went on in the season and, and were missing a, a key piece like him, they're looking at Luka Doncic saying, hey, we got to do what we have to do to keep our guy happy. And... Kyrie may not be long there, but 
Mark Cuban had to make that move. He had to roll the dice on that move. I thought it was a low risk move because of the, the off the, the, the court theatrics that comes with Kyrie Irving. They were able to get him or trade for him for a relatively uh, low cost. I mean, Spencer Dinvity is still a good player and, and Finney Smith is, is a solid defender, solid three and D wing, but this is Kyrie Irving, you know, for, for an all-star caliber player like this, you should have gotten something similar in return, but Cuban was able to get a, a little bit of a discount, roll the dice, see what happens. Yeah, he may not be there for so for for much longer, but I think it was a move that Dallas had to make. So CP, I want to shift gears and I want to focus on your journey because I think in terms of this era of new media, I think just your success and the way you've been able to transition to national media is fairly fascinating. I think within basketball itself, I think that's where coverage of the game is going. Can you kind of talk about just your evolution turns from this YouTube to this gaining recognition from this ESPN, other regional networks I see you on within the New York area. Um, do you see the future of, of kind of basketball media really mirroring your success as well in the future? Because I just think, I think there's a more personal connection to your coverage compared to, I would say, kind of the old school newspaper days. And I respect those journalists. I mean, they have a lot of knowledge as not to be dismissed, but I just think in terms of this technology and where things are going, I think adding a more personal touch to the game like yourself, I think creates a more of an intimate experience for fans. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, you're seeing it, <clears throat> not just in media, but in, in all walks of life, I think people are, are want to curate their own experience. And you've seen it with Netflix or Hulu or uh, whatever plus, whatever network plus is coming out. People want to curate their own content. They want to curate their own experience according to what they're interested in. And, and this is what you're seeing here in this new media where people are flocking to the platforms that, uh, you know, with the people that they identify with the most. And so with me, um, as you said, I think I think fans see themselves. They see another fan. It across the across the screen from them that they can identify with that they can um understand you know i can understand where the, you're coming from you can understand where i'm coming from because we just watch the same game right and we may have differing viewpoints which is great it makes for great debate but other times we may also uh see things eye to eye and then fans can kind of relate to that and with our platform the fans see the value in it especially the fans that aren't from new york because they they feel like we bring them closer to the team they're able to connect a little bit closer with the team and, and connect with uh, like-minded fans. And so that's been the, you know, the, the beauty of Knicks fan TVs is that it, it's not just about, you know, calling the game or talking about the game. We, we really build community on every platform that we're on. So on every platform that, that we have, there's a conversation ongoing 24 seven, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the discord, there's always a conversation going on. And, and that was uh, a byproduct of, of what we built here. And yeah, as a result, you know, a lot of the the major networks have have uh, taken interest in it and, and taken interest in in me and bringing them and bringing me on, and and that's been a very rewarding experience because these are a lot of platforms and networks that I watched as a kid and I admired as a kid. But as you said, the the new media, the the independent model, to me is is here to stay. No no question about it. And how do you think their reaction has been? You know, a lot of people don't react to change positively. So yeah. um, in terms of just the evolution of basketball media specifically, are they, I mean, 
I guess, bringing you, you're on, bringing yourself on to their platforms is an example of them embracing it. But do you see them taking the next step of maybe, you know, changing their coverage? Um, are you seeing kind of them take a different approach to how they cover the game that's based on kind of your model? Yeah, they have to. They have to because these are where the fans are. These are where the conversations are. The conversations are on YouTube after the game. They're on Twitter after the game or they're on Instagram. It's a highlight generation, right? The the attention spans have gotten lower. So a lot of a lot of fans, they don't want to watch the whole game. They want to watch the highlights on TikTok or house of highlights or highlights on Instagram. So these products that you look, look at how house of highlights was purchased by Turner, right? And by sure. Bleach Report. And so. Yep. That's an example of them trying to adjust and, and trying to adapt because you you have to. And also look at the uh, the alternate broadcasts, the Manning cast in football, and and on NBA TV you have Hooper Vision with Quentin Richardson. These betting betting casts, the bet cast that all these betting channels have, I think that was derived from having um, during the pandemic when people were remote, people were watching via Zoom. We were doing our watch alongs on, on Zoom way before the pandemic started. You know, we were doing our postgame shows via Zoom or remote way before a lot of these major networks started doing it as well. So you're starting to see it. You're starting to see the adaptation of, of these major networks to try to keep up with, with what's happening because uh, the, these are where the trends are right now. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating because in in modern times now, you have the traditional media still. You have... Uh, this new player element that can at times, um, I, I think it's very like managed and very measured uh, in many cases, but at times can get you behind the curtain a little bit more. And then you also have what I feel is the most authentic, which is this independent media route, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you're, you're at the forefront here. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if all these mediums come closer together uh, over the next five, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it, man. I can definitely see it. And as you said, you mentioned that the player component to it, you have players with their own platforms like a Draymond Green. I think, I think JJ Reddick is doing an excellent job as well. But what, what you see with that is uh, even like a Matt Barnes, right? You'll see a Matt Barnes. He'll, he'll do an ESPN, but he'll do an all in smoke. He'll, he'll uh, do the Kings regional coverage. So I think guys are kind of remaining on an independent track and then you can kind of, tailor each platform to to however you know you want to cover the game and so I, I think that's a preferred model rather than just going with one employer and staying with them you can kind of just you know contract out and, and dibble and dabble wherever you like cp this has been a fantastic chat thanks for taking some time please let our listeners and viewers know where you can find you on social media or didn't catch a show on youtube and anything else you're working on as well Sure, absolutely, man. Uh, YouTube.com slash KnicksFanTV. We're also at KnicksFanTV on all social media platforms. And then I'm at CP the Franchise on Twitter and Instagram as well. So, uh, fellas, great show, great job, and, and thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks a lot, CP. No problem.